0: So uh, about Infosec Train, uh, we have started in 2016, and uh, we provide wide range of uh, certifications. These are our endorsements, all right. And uh, these are trusted clients. Why Infosec Train? We provide, uh, we have certified and experienced trainers, and uh, we also have flexible mode of trainings, and uh, the trainings are tailor-made as per the industry demands. And uh, we are partnered with some of the global leaders. All right. So these are the certifications that we provide in InfoSec Train. So CIPPE, uh, which is about GDPR and Certified Information Privacy Manager, which is about uh, the day-to-day operations of a privacy manager, how a privacy manager should build a data privacy program from scratch, okay. So this is about CIPM and in CIPP, we are going to study GDPR from scratch in terms of how the legal obligation should be interpreted and how it should be applied. And CIPT is a bit of technical course. We are going to study the privacy technology element, how to embed data privacy uh, into privacy by design and default. And we also study the technology privacy risk component. Okay. So final uh, is, uh, is is not a certificate FIP, which is an accreditation, which is uh, a leadership profile when it comes to data privacy. If you demonstrate uh, CIPP along with either CIPM or CIPT uh, and showcase three years of experience, you can get uh, this particular accreditation, which is IAPP, Fellow of Information Privacy. All right. So I'll quickly jump into the uh, dptp act okay because there's a lot of good content to cover so the dptp act was enacted in august 11 2023 it was one of the most awaited uh, data privacy law for all the data privacy professional working in india we've been expecting it uh, starting from 2017 and uh, so dptp act will be india's first comprehensive data privacy law regulating the digital personal data in india so the law has been uh, itself going through a big journey and uh, it started with the judgment of it started with uh, Justice Sri Krishna committee proposal for the Personal Data Protection Bill in 2018, and uh, the Supreme Court actually uh, paid way in terms of declaring uh, data privacy as a fundamental right. It all started from there, and then we went, the bill went through went through multiple changes in 2019, 21, and 22. Finally, we have the 2023 as a final uh, version, which which became the law currently the law has nine chapters and 44 clauses i'm going to cover the first three four chapters which is essentially important and uh, it's going to have an impact uh, on uh, us as an individual as well as for the organizations okay so the first topic which i'm going to touch upon is the material scope so the words which i'm trying to use is trying to in line with most of the data privacy regulations around the world so the first uh, uh, important scope we call it as how this law is applicable right so the law is applicable to the digital personal data okay when i say digital personal data it is it is in a digital form okay and uh, what about paper asset that could be one of the very common question so if you are using a paper asset which is going to be subsequently digitized okay only then that paper assets can also be considered part of the uh, indian dpdp act applicability okay and either it can be done manually or partially automated operation both is included part of the material scope and personal data what is definition according to the law it's it's uh, is any information which it could be a uh, representation of information facts concepts opinion or instruction so it's a very broad uh, category of definition uh, just like what we have gdpr so even opinions and concepts and everything is included part of the definition so that's a very welcome move including a broad definition for personal data and uh, so again does what is the criteria for personal data it it can be both identifying you directly or indirectly identifying an individual which means uh, there are directly identifiable personal data just like our other card Pan card passport right so these are directly identifiable personal data what are indirectly identifiable personal data which includes for example your date of birth your your blood group right even your name so these components may not directly identify you but when you combine other uh, data uh, personal data attributes then they can then they can become a directly identifiable Uh, Personal data, right? So this is where organization need to be more careful Uh, It is both directly and indirectly identifying an individual So you need to look at every possible attribute that can have a potential to identify an individual, right? So tomorrow whenever we are collecting personal data It's not only the directly identifiable personal data But also the other components which can indirectly identify an individual. All right. So territorial scope so every law which is enacted in a country has a certain boundary of application, right? So the the DPDP Act has a boundary which is applicable within India, but it also has an extraterritorial scope, which means the law can also be applied outside India. the The condition is clearly stated in the law, which says whenever the personal data of data principles uh, is processed outside the territory for providing goods or services by an entity outside india then it is it is also applicable to those entity as well so that is a welcome move uh, ensuring the uh, entities which are outside india if they're processing the data principles personal data who happen to be in india then uh, dpdp act is also applicable to them so any country uh, who, any 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 entity working outside India They are processing personal data till uh, till date. They generally didn't had any obligation in specific But now uh, the DPDP Act will uh, enforce these requirements for those entities as well Now in terms of grounds for processing This is where uh, the law takes a different stand in terms of highlighting two important category. The first is consent and uh, consent they have uh, clearly stated what are the attributes of consent consent for people who are not from the data privacy domain it's very simple in terms of i am agreeing to the conditions to give a personal data right so when i don't agree then i'm not consenting to give the data correct so but uh, earlier uh when we when we used to collect consent consent can be uh, maybe collected by tricking a user to give the data or not providing complete information when collecting the personal data from user right so typical example whenever someone is asking your personal data for any processing activity right including an online application or going for a bank or insurance for any process whatever it is now if they are processing under consent, they need to follow those attributes, which is clearly mentioned in the law. One is it has to be freely given. It has to be specific. When I say freely given, it should not be enforced or it should not be uh, done in a way that uh, you are trying to make the data subject take a decision. Right. Second is specific. You cannot bundle uh, data privacy consent with so many terms and condition. It has to be specific with the purpose of processing. Okay. It has to be informed which means you have to give the details about the processing activity What is the activity about and then only the data subject should have uh, ability to take the particular decision on giving the personal data, right? Uh, unconditional free is almost uh, synonymous. and the last word is unambiguous uh, indication, right, which means uh, Many companies in their website whenever they are collecting consent on online forms, right? uh, they tend to have a pre tick box correct or they will have they have a, a Condition stated in the notice that when you land on a privacy bo- uh, in our website We consider that you are given consent. So those practices cannot uh, Work anymore. The law clearly says it doesn't it has to be an unambiguous clear affirmative action Which means you have to tick a checkbox and say uh, that I agree to give the personal data or they need to provide uh, saying yes over an SMS or an email. There are different ways to confirm an affirmative action. Okay. So, this is the first category, which is going to be the most important uh, uh, power which is going to be given back to the data subject in terms of they control what to give and when to give and how to give. Right. And the the second category is a broad term which is called as specific legitimate uses if you compare any other data privacy laws in the world they would have explicitly stated some of the other grounds of processing but in the indian dpdp act we have broadly summarized the other uh, legitimate uses uh, other lawful basis under the category of legitimate uses we will discuss the legitimate uses when we go to slide number 13 okay now what is the exemption of material scope which means uh, Under what condition the dpdp act is not applicable. Okay? So whenever someone is processing personal data for their domestic use Everyone will have this query in my mind in their mind tomorrow when I post My personal data in Facebook does the law is applicable in this case answer is no so answer is not uh, answer is uh, no because the law says whenever you are processing personal data for your personal use or uh, the data of your friends and family, so in this case you can use domestic exemption okay and also this is where it's it is slightly uh, uh tricky because whenever the personal data has been made public by a data principle or made public under legal obligation, those data are also exempted from the uh, Indian dpdp act so which means let me give you an example uh, someone goes and shares this their personal data in online forum like you go and give this personal information in in facebook right you say your marital status your phone number your email address you you share everything in facebook right now uh, does this information can be protected under DPDP act answer is no So you should need to know what I can share and where I can share but it doesn't discount the Facebook from having those Obligation to protect those data. That is a different story but as an individual whenever you make information public then Indian dpdp act will not be applicable to those personal data. So this reinforces the very important point of You need to have as an individual you need to have a control on what data we publicly release or publicly uh, Provide on internet. Okay, so that's a very very important uh, Requirement now when you do this then GDP, DPDP act is not applicable in those cases only uh, when I said uh, slightly tricky area is that uh, we need to validate whenever we are using for example there are data scrapping industries which try to use data which is available in the internet social medias Right, so they need to be careful that what data is actually released by the data subject or some data has been uh, actually released by some third parties okay so if you do not have this clarity then you will be in trouble Okay, so that is where we need to be uh, as a as an entity. We have to be cautious to validate which information has been released by the data subject themselves right now uh, enforcement timeline Specific dates of uh, enforcement are still awaited. So we are expecting maybe in a month or two the enforcement timeline will come up uh, we are expecting six months to one year is what uh, is going to be given to uh, Majority of the industry when other laws like GDPR came up. They gave two years, but uh, in Indian scenario, I think we may uh, uh, Get six months to one year. This is what the industry anticipation, but we are awaiting to see the final uh, Information on that. All right Now who are the stakeholders who are in involved in the Indian DPDP Act the first stakeholders data principle is basically uh, you and me and uh, whoever personal data is getting processed by the entities right and uh, either it relates directly to us or indirectly then uh, we are the data principle uh, here uh, a child is also a special a child finds a special mention in the dpdp act a child includes parents or law, uh, lawful guardian of such of a, such a child and a person with disabilities include her lawful guardian acting on her behalf so this is an interesting provision where a child is there a child under the age of 18 okay and there is a provision to even uh, to lower the age if required so their lawful guardian or people with disabilities uh, can uh include their lawful guardians acting on their behalf okay so all of them will also come into the ambit of data principles okay so it's not directly the children and their legal guardians and people with disability also can have their legal guardians acting on their behalf okay so this should be kept in mind whenever we are collecting consent uh from them directly now uh the data fiduciaries the data fiduciary is synonymous what we call it as controllers or entity, whichever collects personal data from the data subjects predominantly, right? So any companies like, uh, uh, for example, you go to uh, insurance company for processing your uh, for your insurance, bank loans uh, for your employer, everyone who collects your personal data, right? So they fall into the category of data fiduciary. Okay. So definition is a person who alone or in conjunction with other person determines the purpose and means of processing personal data so here the definition of the de, uh, signif- uh, sorry the definition of joint controllership is indirectly mentioned it's not directly mentioned it doesn't find a place but there is a possibility we may expect some further clarity on this so which means any person who alone or in conjunction with other person determines the purpose and means of processing what is purpose and means of processing so today i decide to collect personal data of the participants who came into this particular webinar so uh, i can collect your name your mobile uh, uh, mobile number or email address and contact you for maybe from additional uh, marketing purpose i'm just giving a hypothetical example right so in this case i become a data data fiduciary right similarly any organization which decides the purpose why this personal data has to be collected and how this personal data will be processed they will be called as data fiduciary the next term is data processor okay so any entity which basically works on the instruction of data fiduciary is called as data processor so example of data processor any company uh, for example i i uh, in the same example i'm collecting my personal data right i engage another uh, marketing company to do some marketing advertisement so i'm engaging another company right so this is an example of data processor a bank will outsource lot of functions for example they are outsourcing their HR function, right? So that company will become a processor or your credit card debit cards are getting printed, right? So that printing company will become a data processor. So everywhere any company which is processing personal data Behalf of a data fiduciary. They are called as data processor. Okay. Now there is an interesting category Which is uh, which is pretty much uh, standalone I would say in any other law is significant data fiduciary, which means uh, we don't have a definition of sensitive personal data but if as a controller uh, if you are processing high volume and sensitive uh, sensitivity of a personal data then you might be uh, falling into the bracket of significant data fiduciary okay so the criteria for which has been uh, has been informed at this point of time is volume sensitivity of the personal data and risk to the rights and freedom of data principle as well as impact to the sovereignty and integrity of india right or even risk to the electoral democracy security of the state and public order so these are uh, whichever has a high impact on the data subject is the foremost important criteria and if it does uh, impact on the country and the security of the country right so then uh, they will be called as significant data fiduciary who generally falls into this majority of uh, uh, Companies which has huge volume of personal data which most probably could be the banks the insurance company the public authorities uh, Whoever has a huge volume of personal data and also have a lot of sensitive personal data. Correct? So the IT companies all of them we most probably can fall into the significant data fiduciary right now uh there is one more uh important stakeholder here, which is data protection board so data protection board will be the enforcement authority for this particular act so they will be the pi- primary regulatory body so they will be uh, the bodies yet to be set up when they when they are set up they will be uh, governing this particular act they will be having powers vested by the law in terms of uh, what uh, p- penalties they can sanction to the entities whoever is breaching this uh, particular act and also they have other powers to do investigation and also provide uh, a clarification in terms of any uh, uh, if there is any ambiguity on interpretation they will all come up with a different uh, notification regarding the act right so if there is a uh, if you find the sanctions or certain judge uh, verdict given by data protection board you are not agreeing to that you have a uh, uh, in terms of uh, appellate mechanism to go and seek for remedy right if you are if you are uh, basically not happy with certain verdict you have a a period of 60 days to go and appeal so the appealing mechanism is again uh, in line with many data privacy laws which is the governance of how a enforcement authority will work right so if if you are if we have to challenge the enforcement authority you have an option to go and file uh, a appeal with the telecom dispute uh, settlement tribunal okay so they will handle the appeals and complaint and related to the orders and direction by the data protection board so appeals must be filed within 60 days and if if an appeal cannot be resolved within six months then the tribunal might provide a written reason for the delay in concluding the appeal so this is in turn trying to give a mandate to the appellate tribunal to close all the pending cases before six months okay so that is that is the sort of an indirect mandate even to the tribunal and uh, consent manager is one of the kind uh, which is given which has been brought in the indian dpdp act uh, in my knowledge this is the first of its kind there is no other law in the world which has explicitly brought the concern manager which is which is w- really a uh, excellent uh, option to bring for a country like india with such a huge population right so uh, trying to provide power to the data subject through technology Right. so that is the intention of consent manager so consent manager are basically individuals or entities uh, so they will be coming up with certain application right so what what will happen is your consent will be managed by these consent manager just imagine like a play store application right so it will give you a purview of which entities have taken your consent and what is a what is what are your options to raise uh, data subject right and what stage is the uh, what stage is your your right or uh, if you have to withdraw your consent so a lot of things will be facilitated by this consent manager now consent manager is gonna be an interoperable platform and it will also be registered with the board so these are two important uh, requirements it is improperable, mean interoperable means it is gonna be uh, synced with many uh, uh, existing platforms and also it's gonna be registered with the board which means they will have their accountability requirement clearly set up so this consent manager are going to be answerable to the data subjects as well as to the data protection board right so they will be facilitating the data subject at the same time if they falter then they are also answerable to the board as well as to the data subject all right and uh, so data protection officer so the word data protection officer is actually linked with a significant data fiduciary requirement But if you ask me as a practitioner, I would say every entity whichever is processing personal data They need to appoint one uh, Authority you call them as a data protection officer or a concern authority, but they need to be a concern uh, 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 in charge who has to be appointed but we co- when we come to significant data fiduciary the law clearly says you need to appoint a data protection officer so the data protection officer uh requirement has been spelt out in terms of the, uh, the person has to be a resident indian uh appointed by the significant data fiduciary so in terms of what they need to do in terms of certain qualification criteria or many elements can be uh it can be expected in the upcoming notifications all right there's a very interesting position uh, the dpdp act has taken which is the rights are granted based on a lawful basis okay if you see any other law the rights are independent of your lawful basis so here the rights are concerned with uh, one particular lawful basis which is consent so whenever the personal data is getting processed based on consent then you have these four uh, uh, data subject rights which is right to access uh, right to correction and erasure right to seek grievance redressal, and right to nominate so right to access is almost uh, there in every data privacy law in the world which is in terms of getting uh, a confirmation whether your personal data is getting processed and also getting a summary of the data for example receiving a copy of what personal data is getting processed that by that particular data fiduciary right and the next next is data correction so data rectification data right to correction is also a very common uh, data subject rise across all the data privacy law which is uh, correcting any misleading personal data or inaccurate personal data in terms of completions or update you can always ask the fiduciary to make update based on your request right now uh data erasure is a very interesting part which is like uh, which used to be an independent data privacy right in many laws which is requesting the entity to delete the data okay so the condition for deletion is not absolute which means in every case it will not be successfully deleted okay so there is a checks and balance when it comes to data erasure uh, which means first of all it has to be based on consent that is the first condition second is the data whichever was collected is no longer necessary for the purpose for it was collected right and unless the retention is necessary for a legal purpose which means if there is a overriding requirement if there is a law that requires the data to be kept right so in this case we can uh, we can actually uh, cannot expect The right to erasure to be successfully implemented. But I will say a very simple option here. If we are giving the personal data based on consent, and if you remove the uh, withdraw the consent, then they have to automatically delete the data. There is no other option. Okay. That is an indirect interpretation. When you withdraw your consent, they have no other uh, lawful basis. Okay. They have to withdraw the consent unless and until there's an overarching legal purpose or uh, some other specific requirement from the law. All right now right to seek grievance addressal okay this is a very specifically addressed uh, data subject right otherwise it is embedded in other data privacy law in other formats so here the right to have uh, readily available means of grievance addressal okay either the data fiduciary uh, uh, you can lodge a complaint against the data fiduciary or against a consent manager okay uh for with respect to any act or omission regarding the performance of their obligations so when they when they don't perform their obligations which in terms of giving a privacy notice or uh uh, thereof requirements which is specifically mentioned in the law like technical and organizational measures right so uh, if they are not fulfilling this responsibility obviously you can ask uh, uh, you can actually raise this grievance address so this is actually a triggering point for the uh, the authorities to uh, start the investigation and give penalty right so we are all looking forward to have this particular power to question the entities which have been misusing or abusing our personal data for a very long time, correct? Now, ne- tomorrow, when we, when we have the enforcement of the law, we can challenge the people who have been calling us uh, uh, without our permissions or without our consent we can challenge and ask these people, how did you get my data? What is the source of this data? And if they don't giving a proper response, we can actually file a complaint against those company, provided those companies are actually companies. Okay. Now, uh, the last uh, data subject right is right to nominate. Okay, right to nominate is in terms of death or incapacity of a data principal, they can exercise the right of the data principal. This is again a very uh, specific nuance which has come at, come up in the APDP Act. Uh, in case the person is uh, uh, deceased so their rights can be upheld which is which is before their death or in the will uh, they have nominated someone to exercise their right so that can be executed which is very different from GDPR uh, when when a person is uh, deceased they uh, they do not have any rights uh, or uh, they, their data is actually not part of the GDPR applicability right so this is a very interesting aspect and it is actually giving uh, the powerless people in terms of giving an option to be nominated so there will be ngos there will be organization which will represent the people especially the people who are uh, illiterate and people who do not understand those nuances of this law can be represented by the uh, uh, entities okay so they can uh, actually help these people to uh, have their rights uh clearly ex- exerted all right now uh obligations of data principle under the act this is the first of its kind uh in terms of what are the obligation for the uh, data principles like you and me uh, we should not be impersonating another person when we are providing personal data and uh, to ensure not to suppress any material information when providing personal data for any document especially when uh, there is uh, you are exercising data subject rights so there is a specific requirement to validate the uh, user right so whenever user are to be validated uh, they they should not impersonate a person or provide any wrong information so, uh, and also to ensure not to register a false complaint against the uh, data fid- fiduciaries as well as against a concern manager. So this is a sort of uh, a check and balance that people should also not misuse their uh, rights okay and also to furnish only such information which is verifiable authentic while exercising right to correction and erasure okay so whenever we are requesting these rights we have to be authenticated right so we have to produce those information where the entities can verify us okay so these are the obligation now the point one and two there is a specific uh, penalty for the data principle which means if you actually found guilty under point one and two and uh, you may be getting a penalty of rupees ten thousand so this is also a first of its kind in any data privacy law to give a penalty to a data subject okay so maybe there is a logic to it uh, because people suddenly should not uh, misuse it uh, but yeah we'll see how this actually takes uh, takes up in the future okay now uh, what are the obligation of processing entity this is the most important slide Uh, most of you will be really concerned as an entity what are my roles and responsibility regarding this uh, data protection act right data uh, digital uh, digital personal data protection act so the first is you need to comply with the DPDP Act right so we have to ensure we are complying with the acts provision there are different segments to start with you need to process personal data only on the lawful basis which is either uh, your consent or the legitimate uses which has been clearly uh, documented so if you are processing personal data outside this then clearly you are violating the requirements of the act okay now privacy notice privacy notice again it is a a specific lawful basis uh, requirement for example if it is based on consent only then you have to provide privacy notice if it is for other legitimate uses, you don't need to provide a privacy notice okay so interesting part uh, in the privacy notice is that it has to be provided in all the 22 schedule language okay and uh, this is something which is clearly uh, understanding the diversity of india and it's it's a very welcome move to make people understand the privacy notice and their regional languages okay and uh, so in in terms of notice uh their notice has to cover cert- certain important elements in terms of what is the purpose of processing what are the rights which are available for the data principal, what is the complaint mechanism how to make a complaint against the data fiduciary okay so the privacy notice has to cover these three important aspects all right and uh, for for example once the enforcement date has been announced the uh, entities which are processed personal data based on consent earlier now they need to provide a fresh privacy notice so this is something which is quite immediate actionable item if you are collecting personal data now you need to provide a, a fresh privacy notice okay this the third obligation is that The data fiduciary are expected to ensure accuracy, completeness and consistency of personal data, which impacts decisions or uh, is shared with others, which means whenever you are having a repository of personal data, you need to ensure the personal data is kept up to date. Uh, So which means you need to provide uh, uh, options for the data subject to periodically validate the personal information. At the same time, you can proactively ask the data subject whether is there any changes in your personal data especially uh, your communication addresses your communication uh, phone number email id if there's any change then obviously these has to be periodically requested by the data subject to be updated now this is the most important next point which is technical and organizational measures so any law in the world will never give you or prescribe the list of controls which needs to be implemented right Uh, it's not a standard it's a law so which means the law says as as per your processing activity for example a hospital is processing some of the very important personal data we can even call them as a sensitive personal data right so the type of control which needs to be implemented uh, for a hospital versus a school could be a little different right so we need to assess the environment where we are processing personal data In information security terms we call it as threat landscape right so based on your threat landscape we need to assess what is the appropriate amount of uh, information security controls which we need to implement to protect the personal data right to start with you need to look at access controls we need to look at how the personal data is getting uh, transferred or uh, stored you need to look at encryption options right we need to look at other uh, privacy enhancing technologies like uh, pseudonymization anonymization right so these are some of the methods which we can uh, start uh, looking into into implementation part but there are, these are these are not the exhaustive lists by any means but there are so many other specific controls which needs to be implemented part of your uh, assessment right so you need to do an assessment in your organization to understand what is the appropriate technical and organizational measures technical controls is quite straightforward right and the technical controls means having this encryption uh, having the pseudonymization right uh, applying masking and access controls uh, organizational measures include your p- privacy policies and procedures right so you need to build a strong privacy policy procedures to ensure uh the data is uh, protected by every employee in a in a in a in a in a structured way okay and synchronous way now uh, the next important requirement is notification of personal data breach so notification of personal data breach uh, it, it it is little uh, different from the other laws in terms of there is no cut off time which is given for example in gdpr we have a 72 hours cut off time Right. But in the current version of the DPDP Act, it says immediately you need to do it as simple as that. The moment there is a breach, they need to notify the board as well as the data principles. The criteria to uh, uh, inform the data subject is also not defined. For example, in GDPR, we have a criteria like whenever there is a high risk to the data subjects right or be- because of the breach then only you need to notify the uh, data subjects but whereas in the indian dptp act says that it is very much stricter compared to gdpr it says if there is a breach you need to notify the board as well as the data subject uh, there are more rules i think is expected in this particular area i think the board will come up with a specific uh, instruction on this okay coming to the cross-border data transfer so this is where the law has become more liberal Uh, the law says you can do any cross-border data transfer which is transferring the data outside the country unless and until uh, the country wherever you are transferring is not in a blacklisted okay so the central government uh, will come up with a notification in terms of what are the list of countries which will be blacklisted so except those countries you can directly do any uh, uh international data transfer also there has to be uh, you also need to look at certain other uh, uh regulations if for example uh, if you're operating with a financial data you need to look at rba requirement on data residency right so these also need to be looked at, at the checks and balances as well but the law has been uh, very liberal when it comes to international data transfer when you go to any other law like gdp or other laws they specifically term what are the lawful basis to do a international data transfer the second set of obligations the second set of obli- obligations uh, including how, whenever you are processing vulnerable people who are vulnerable people including the minors which are children's and people with disabilities should be processed only with verifiable parent consent so if you if you are processing any any minors data less than 18 right you need to definitely have a guardian consent so this is going to be an additional uh, requirement on all the entity We were uh, in terms of processing vulnerable people's data. Right. So vulnerable people data. Now there is a specific uh, unique requirement when it comes to DPDP Act. Okay, so the DPDP Act says that uh, whenever you are tracking, uh, especially the behavioral monitoring aspects and targeted advertisement, directed at minus are prohibited it's a very welcome move i think i have not seen any other law specifically come with this particular aspect if you are doing direct marketing okay targeting at minus as well as tracking their human behavior as well as their behavioral traits over internet this is completely banned in indian dp dp act okay so it's such a welcome move, and uh, that's gonna have a, a good impact on the society as well now Contracts contracts have been a very important obligation whenever you are uh, uh, Indulging a data processor, right? Which whoever is going to work on your behalf. You need to ensure the the uh, Processor and controller will have a uh, documented contracts, okay if the contracts are not in place then the the uh, then authorities are going to definitely have questions and there may be a penalty associated with it so any engagement with the processor should always involve a documented contract okay so this is ensure in uh, this is ensuring that the instruction by the controller which is fiduciary to the processor are clearly documented okay and uh, both the controller and the processor cannot go scot-free saying that the instruction was not clear right so this is something which they need to look at now disclosures uh, data fiduciary must provide details of all other fiduciary and other processor upon request by the data principal. so whenever the data is getting transferred from one fiduciary to some other processor processors and other third parties wherever this get information is getting uh, shared they need to have this clear uh, trail of where all this information has been transferred so the doesn't ex- explicitly say that you need to maintain a records of processing activity or uh, what we call it as data inventory but it is indirectly saying that you need to have a audit trail to ensure where the information is getting transferred so that you have two, two three important requirements one to fulfill data subject rights and a second in terms of handling data breach impact assessments right and third in terms of uh, 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 fulfilling the specific request of who's who had this uh, data access and also if there is an investigation this helps you to answer those queries data retention erasure so every personal data whatever the organizations are collecting now need to clearly have a retention period right so the retention period will be based on the purpose for which the personal data was collected so now every data has to have a tag of retention period right so the moment the data doesn't have a retention period then you need to either delete the data or unless and otherwise it is required by some other law right example if there is a employment law right employment law says the data has to be kept for more than five years even after the employee is resigned correct so there could be some other specific law that will demand the retention period longer than the purpose of processing right so this has to be balanced with that correct so now the the important pa- weapon with the users or data subject is that the moment you withdraw the consent they will not have a valid basis to uh, retain the law uh, retain the personal data they have to actually delete the law uh, delete the personal data right they do not have any other option in that case so that is why retention period is going to be a very important requirement this is again reinforcing the require uh, requirement of inventory and records of processing activity which means every personal data whichever is collected we need to maintain what was a lawful basis and we have to define the retention period okay grieving readdressal has to be definitely looked upon by every entity you need to have a specific department or a specific function within your data privacy taking care of the grievance readdresser. so the fiduciary has to come up with how data subjects uh, rights will be enforced how will we handle it because we are expecting there will be a timeline uh, which will be issued by the uh your uh, data protection board right so they will come up maybe they will give you uh, one month or two month of calendar period to respond to the data subject rights so this is definitely expected so you may need to uh, definitely look upon this particular uh, function to be set up significant data fiduciary if you are falling into that particular category then you need to appoint a data protection officer okay and uh, second data auditor Uh, sorry, uh, you need to conduct data audits periodically. And uh, for that, you need to have an independent data auditor to carry out uh, data audit and evaluate the compliance. So this is, again, a very big industry, which is going to be evolved, which is, for example, if you're a data auditor, uh, it's a it's it's a really good place to be in it is every significant data fiduciary has to be audited by them and uh, there has to be an independent audit report and third is impact assessments so in other laws data protection impact assessment are conducted whenever uh, there are certain categories or triggers which are met then has to be an impact assessment to be conducted but in Indian DPDP Act it is now limited whenever the processing is within the ambit of significant data fiduciary but in general it's a good practice to always do an impact assessment on the organization of what is the risk to the data subjects right so but if you're a significant data fiduciary then there is no other option you definitely need to do the impact assessment assessing the risk on the data subject to the rights and freedom and uh, in terms of how do you manage the risk okay so these are the specific obligations when it comes to the uh, fiduciary as well as to the processors okay so the law doesn't actually specifically uh, mention what are the processor's obligation so if you take the other laws like GDPR they say this is the specific uh, processor obligation but here the law is trying to give uh, uh, a embedded obligation which happens through the contract so the contract contract will ensure controllers obligations are uh, are passed on to the processor via contract right so it, it is not like the processor will not have any obligations here so what are the legitimate uses which has been uh, mentioned in the law so the law says whenever uh, so it this is apart from consent you have these legitimate uses under which personal data can be processed so this is not tptp act is not applicable which means these are legitimate uses for which you can use personal data apart from consent so the first one is if the data principal has voluntarily provided her personal data to the data fiduciary then they can process personal data I think this is where it's gonna get little difficult to uh, underline what exactly means voluntarily provided Uh, the examples whichever is given by the DPDP Act is falling towards a direction of contract So contract means if I go to a medical shop, uh, I purchase something, I ask them to give a door delivery. Right. So this is going towards the direction of contract in general, but uh, uh, more uh, clarity is expected in terms of voluntary providing personal data because this has to be provable, right, Uh, that I gave voluntarily. So that is where uh, we are expecting some more rules uh, around it because entity should not misuse this particular aspect of voluntary provision of personal data now uh, remaining elements are more or less which is given by many of the laws in terms of uh, providing state welfare schemes uh, in terms of government and uh, government aided entities whichever is processing personal data to provide benefits right a license certificate or legal obligation of the state or performance under the state law this is quite common in most of the data privacy laws right again compliance with the court judgment or issue of uh, uh, under any law this is also quite common now <clears throat> in gdpr and with the comparison of this if you see uh, the first is tying towards contract but contra- it's not explicitly contract the second we can say uh, closely towards public interest and the third is more in like an illegal interest and the fourth is vital interest which is like a medical emergency case and the fifth is in terms of again uh, uh, ensure safety or uh, provide assistance service in terms of breakdown of public order this is again more towards uh, public interest and the final element is in terms of a giving a very broad uh, legitimate use to the organization for processing the employees personal data right so this is giving a sort of a big uh, exemptions to the employers to process personal data and to, to ensure the safety of the uh, employees as well as uh, prevention of corporate uh, espionage maintenance of confidentiality of trade secrets, intellectual property and so on and so forth right so this is a very broad exemption which is a big relief to many uh, uh, employers because uh, they can always depend on this particular legitimate use right so this is a big difference when it comes to other laws where there is no blanket exemption given to the employees to use uh, personal data right so penalties a very very interesting area because the highest penalty which is 30 million USD which is 250 crores which is uh, higher than even GDPR in uh, in uh, in the highest category which is 20 million euros right so we are looking at a very strict uh, uh, enforcement mechanism 250 crores is a make or break deal companies can disappear with 250 crore penalty right so uh, this is given whenever you fail to take reasonable security safeguard to prevent breach so it is actually a very very sensitive area if you fail to uh, implement appropriate technical and organizational measures then you're gonna have uh, a very tough chance to defend yourself against this particular category and failure to notify data principles and authority on a breach this is a data breach notification this is also 200 crores breach this is many companies may think they can hide such data breach but uh, now the law clearly gives uh, such a high penalty. And if they come to know about such breach, then you're going to be in a big trouble. Uh, Failure to observe data processing requirement relation to children, again, 200 crores. Uh, Failure to observe significant data fiduciary requirement will be 150 crores. Failure to comply with voluntary undertaking by the authority. So this is a a separate Provision which has come under the law. Okay, and any which is you are disclosing yourself about your actions and if you fail to uh, uh, Undertake the voluntary whichever you are stated then that is a breach any other breach under the law Which will also go under 50 crores and there is a violation of data principal duties, which will be a 10,000 rupees Okay, so These are the key differences when it comes to GDPR. I'm not going to go this into deep, but uh, I've covered it whenever I was discussing. So in terms of application, we are covering only digital personal data, but uh, we are also uh, uh, in GDPR even personally, personal data is publicly available, which is also falls under the ambit of GDPR and uh, special category data is not defined. Principles are not explicitly defined in Indian dpdp act. It is embedded actually data subject rights uh, uh, The the right to portability right against automated decision making or something which is specific to GDPR. timeline of response is still to be uh, notified data breach notification criteria as i told 72 hours timeline is not given okay every breach has to be notified but whereas in gdpr you have those specific categories consent age is given 18 but it can be lowered by the further rules in gdpr it is set between 13 to 16. penalty is 2 to 4 percent of global turnover which is 10 or 10 to 20 million years here it's the highest is 24 uh, 2250 crores which is quite higher obligation specific obligation for processor is defined but here there is no specific obligation where it is embedded through the contract but uh, we have specific obligation for significant data fiduciary okay so notice component is quite wider when it comes to gdpr okay and uh, uh, but specific languages of customizing notice is something a welcome move children's data uh gdpr this special, special provision of not monitoring children's data is a welcome move. Grievance redressal is a step-by-step approach. We cannot directly go to the court. We cannot directly go to the appellate before getting uh, grievance from the authorities. Consent manager is something which is quite new. Compensation to the data subject is something is not explicitly stated. Joint controllership is again not explicitly stated as a stakeholder. And international st- uh, data transfer has been very broad. So these are the roadmap which I have uh, created for any uh, entity which needs to follow uh, from scratch. I'll take another to four minutes uh, so in terms of obligation first you need to understand what is your obligation as a controller uh, and then you need to start uh, monitoring the notification that comes from the government conducting a gap assessment is a very very important uh, step in terms of understanding your or- organization poster appointing a dpo or an authorized person is the next important move setting up your data governance data privacy governance setting up a team and uh, conduct a data discovery in terms of what data is coming into your organization and uh, what is the lawful basis to uh, process it or collect it and build your privacy policies or update it okay, in line with the Data Privacy Act. Define the roles and responsibility and provide privacy notice in all channels wherever you're collecting personal data, especially uh, if you're processing based on consent, conduct training and awareness program, very, very critical part and implement a consent management mechanism uh, to maintain the trail of consent, wherever you're collecting, demonstrate the trail of notice. Whenever you are providing a trail, then you need to uh, prove that it is based on consent. Uh, so then also establish technical and organizational measures, which we have discussed and deploy mechanism to respond and fulfill data subject rights. Uh, valid contracts has to be in place conduct vendor assessments and if you are significant data fiduciary conduct dpia data audits and also appoint dpo and comply with the cross border data transfer requirements so these are the 14 steps every organization should definitely take it up whenever they are uh, they are planning to comply with the uh, dpdp act all right